0: Welcome to the Why Not podcast with me, Chrissy Hawkins. In a world where everybody asks you why, I'm here to ask why not. So sit back and relax or walk and listen and join me on this journey as we try to answer this never ending question what makes people say why not? Hi guys welcome back to why not so today I'm talking to Emma Golding she is a para carriage driver and also a mindset coach so we do kind of talk a lot about para driving but we also talk about her own mindset and how that brought her to the coaching and things like that and how it kind of come full circle and stuff like that so really interesting episode even if you're not into horses I think it's really interesting sport to hear about I hope you enjoy it. Hi guys, welcome back to Why Not. Today I am joined by Emma Golding. So Emma Golding is an international carriage driver and she's also a mindset coach. So first off, welcome to the podcast, Emma. How are you?
1: I'm good, thanks. Thanks for inviting me on.
0: No, uh, Thank you for uh, coming on. And just to start off, would you like to just uh, tell everyone a little bit about yourself?
1: Uh, yep. So um, as you said, so I'm a carriage driver. Um, I am currently Ireland's only international para carriage driver. So I was paralyzed in a riding accident when I was 18. And I took up carriage driving after that. And then shortly after taking up carriage driving, I took up horse driving trials, which is the sport that I do, which is based on ridden three day eventing. ridden eventing we have two-day events same as eventing and stuff like that um so yeah so I that's I've been doing that for nearly 20 years now um and uh my last international event was the world championships in August um and at the moment uh I'm driving uh my Gelding Mossy he's a lipizzaner 13 year old lipizzaner gelding with one eye um so and he's uh, he's he i i love him to bits he's yeah he's he's my boy he's my boy um i'm also a mindset coach um so i went through a lot of for years i had a lot of a lot of fear a lot of nerves um low confidence uh all of that and it just it made although I loved my driving and I loved you know I loved still being able to to do stuff with horses all those things they just made it so so much less enjoyable than it should have been um so even though I loved it I wasn't enjoying it the way I should um so I went through I I saw different kind of you know performance psychologists um you know various people and I kind of managed to get to the bottom of all that within me um and then I wanted to help other people do the same so um so yeah so I did a qualification in equestrian mindset coaching and
0: that's that's why I do that now as well just to circle back just to the carriage driving for a second yeah could you explain what is involved in that for anyone, say, who isn't into horses and wouldn't be um like, wouldn't know the sport?
1: Yeah. So um you can drive either you can drive ponies or horses. So people people do this with Shetlands, with, you know, Little Welsh Section A's all the way up to, you know, big kind of KWPNs and Gelderlanders and, and those types of breeds. Um, so it's, as I said, it's based on ridden three day, three day eventing. Uh, so you've got your dressage. Um, you can do this with a single horse or pony, a pair, which is two side by side or a team of four, which is a pair in the back and a pair in the front. Um, I drive single, most people in Ireland drive single. Um, and you've got your dressage. Um, and that is, they're essentially looking for the same things as they're looking for in ridden dressage from the horse so rhythm obedience suppleness impulsion straightness all of those things um so you've got a test it's obviously in a bigger arena um than, than than the ridden so our arenas are 80 by 40 um so fit in uh, the carriage as well yeah exactly even still sometimes you're coming along and it's like oh still feels <laughs> tight if things aren't quite going the way they should be Um, So that's the dressage, Um, you get your penalty score from your dressage, um, so the lower the better. Uh, Then for the cross-country equivalent, so we still have uh, roads and tracks, which is what we call our Section A. You've got a set number of kilometres, and they're marked out, and you're given your time to finish in, which is a two-minute window, so you can't finish too early or too slow. Um, and you, so you carry stopwatches on the carriage. So that I wear a stopwatch. My groom wears a stopwatch, and we have a stopwatch on the carriage. So if any get bumped or the batteries run out, we're not losing track. Um, so you're keeping that. That's generally, a, a, you know, a kind of clipping along trot. Um, the 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 cross country used to be like the the ridden one. It used to be a lot more physically. Demanding. There used to be five sections um, instead of now we have two. Um, but they it's it's been cut down for, for various reasons over the past the past kind of couple of decades. So that's our section A. Section B then is the same idea with a three-minute window, but in that section, there are between five and eight individually timed obstacles. So these are what people may have seen in videos of where you've People are going around posts or through water, things like that. Each inside those, there's gates, which are A to F. So red on the right, white on the left. Um, so there'll be letters on posts or trees or whatever makes up the, the obstacle. And the driver and the groom or grooms will walk those over and over again in before, before the actual cross-country round um, because you want to be in and out as quickly as possible because everyone racks up penalties for every second that they're inside those obstacles that are being added to their dressage penalty score. So uh, you wanna be in and out as quickly as possible without making any mistakes because mistakes will mean either more penalties or potentially an elimination. So uh, that's that, the groom does a lot in that. They're using their body weight to balance the carriage. They'll sometimes kind of move the carriage away from posts and stuff like that. Um, so, and they're helping with directions and reminding the driver of things and, and during that. And then the show jumping equivalent is cones, where you have a course of, um, so up to 20 numbered cone numbered elements, but that can include slaloms of up to four, can include zigzags, oxes, where you've got two pairs of cones really close to each other. Um, they've got little yellow balls on top, and you have a time limit, and basically you get penalties if you hit the balls or if the balls fall off or if you go over time. Um, so that's that's that. And then the 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 combination with the the lowest penalties at the end wins.
0: Wow, that's like okay, like inventing's intense, but that sounds even more intense, like <laughs> It's like the whole fact you have to keep a carriage like from flying into things. Yeah, yeah. And is is your groom in with you the whole time then as well?
1: Yeah, so they're on the back for the dressage and cones. The dressage, they are, so they're there for, because if anything goes wrong now, I and mean, obviously I'm paralyzed, so I can't get out anyway. But even for able-bodied drivers, as much as possible, you want the driver in the carriage because that's where you have, control, most control of the horses. So if something comes undone, if there's something, you know, that needs to be attended to, the groom will get off and do that while the driver stays in the carriage. So in the dressage, the death safety, Uh, you get penalties if they speak in the dressage, they're not allowed to to remind you of, you know, (laughs) if you get lost. Um, They're sitting on the back for the cones as well, but they are allowed to speak and they are allowed to walk the cones. Um, So My in the World Championships cones that we just did, that was my first time really properly using my groom because they used to not be allowed to speak. So I or walk the course. So I'd never used my groom, but this time I did. So she she was checking our split times on the on the screen, you know, various. We had a couple of cones where I wanted to know how we were doing time-wise. She was reminding me, so I asked her, you know, just, and it's it's such a simple thing, but it's just like she was reminding me straight then go, straight then go. So get straight for the cone and then pick up the speed one, you know, and just having that that voice, that reminder, you know, it, it just it keeps you focused. Um, so that was brilliant for that. But they really come into their own in the obstacles at well, the the cross country overall, but especially the obstacles. Um, because as I said, they're using their body weight. So they're leaning from side to side to, to keep the carriage balanced. As you go around corners, um, they're helping with the timekeeping with keeping track of, you know, often you'll have, um, the, the, the route. So kilometers section a and section B, they'll generally be around eight kilometers each. So section B, especially with the obstacles, if it's in a smallish area and all the obstacles are together for the sake of um, the the spectators to make it, you know, if they don't have to walk from one to the other, the drivers are going around the same track kind of over and over again. So you're also keeping track of compulsory flags, turning flags, all of this, and your kilometer markers are going to be, you could have kilometer three and kilometer five right next to each other. So you're keeping track of which one is actually yours. Um, while then trying to remember going in. So they'll also direct um in in the obstacles. So what I do with my grooms is I say to them, just just keep talking to me and I'll I'll only tune in if I need to, you know, if I if i think that I'm gonna get lost. Um so that way there's no delay of me saying, Oh, I don't know where I'm going, you know, things like that. So yeah, so they they do a lot. Um, singles, so one, ho- one horse or pony and pairs, two horses or ponies, they have one groom on the back um, and the teams have two. So there's one person
0: per maximum of two horses. Yeah, that's a, that like really is like a good like teamwork thing that you have to have in there.
1: It is, it really is. Um, and you build up you know, because everyone, every different kind of combinations of drivers and grooms, you've got different kind of shorthand, different ways that you like to, because if you imagine an obstacle, especially when we go to Europe, some of the obstacles, they're made up of maybe 50 posts. So, and you've got them all. So you're like, it's it, and everyone's different as to what they consider the top of the obstacle or the bottom or, you know, saying shoot or inside route or, you know, so you Mm. have to it takes a while to build up that kind of shorthand. So you're both on the same, the
0: exact same page with regards to the directions. Yeah, makes sense. Um, the thing about, I suppose, thinking about carriages, like one of the reasons I'm asking is it's very niche. Like obviously horse riding and equestrian sports are niche as it is, but like, that's something even even smaller. Like how did you get into that?
1: Um, So after I had my accident, I, and I didn't know about, I knew that people drove horses, you know, kind of, you know, for pleasure and stuff like that. I didn't know about horse driving trials as a sport. So after my accident, I tried, I tried riding again, Um, but because, so my, my, my level of injury is T4, which you'll, you'll, you'll know what that means. Yeah. (laughs) into fitness and knowing muscles and that but for everyone else it's it's very high so it's 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 essentially boob level um (laughs) so i have no core muscle ability at all so my balance is really bad um Mm. you know so i tried i tried it and i was happy to be able to so i went to the rda um but all i could really do was was walk on a horse with somebody either side, someone leading. Um, I did when I went to Australia because they had like a, a stock saddle. I actually went on a beach ride. Um, with just the other person, the the person who owned the place on a horse, and I just kind of held on, and the horse knew knew where it was going, um, which was great. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't giving me everything that I that I wanted anymore. So somebody who was helping at the RDA, she used to be groom friend of hers who did the driving trials, and she said, "Why don't you try, you know try driving?" So she actually organised for me to go to the driving RDA group at Cristina Lente, and then as soon as I did that, like I could just you know I could see the potential of it, and then. I that that group got invited to uh, a kind of driving day um at uh um at a lady called Sarah Mullins. So she's um she used to drive for Ireland, single horse, she still was at that time. Um she's now an FEI uh driving judge. Um and when we went there and after that she asked, Did I want to try driving her? he was actually I mean incredibly generous of her he was her current world championships horse and she was actually let me drive him at the same time as she was preparing to take him to a to a world singles championship the next year um so that's how I got into 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 the sport itself
0: and is it is it hard to find a place to compete because it's so small like especially in Ireland like
1: so we've got, we've got a, our club is small, but we've got a really, there's a really fantastic core of people, um, who organize events. So, um, last year we, we had them in various places. We had Punchestown, Coilogue, um, where else There's There's a few, there's, there's some regular ones up north, Shane's Castle and Antrim. There's a few, you know, there's a few other places like that. Um, we also held some kind of one day slash kind of short format competitions where some of them did have a dressage test that we had um and then a combined cones and obstacles what we call world cup driving which is what you'll what people see the teams doing in the indoor so like um maastricht uh olympia In the winter so that's the world cup driving so we've got a few of them as well so we've got a pretty decent calendar it's it's hard enough work on the people organizing because you know because it it is often the same people organizing a lot of the time um just because you know because we are so small um but we've got a pretty we've got a fairly full calendar developed now which is which is good and hopefully that will encourage people to to give it a go if they you know if they see that there is actually stuff that they can do
0: yeah um, no it, it sounds like fantastic um as like, an, like a tough sport like it's not just people prancing around you know with the <laughs> i don't know i you I'd, know I'd, even... <laughs> I'd, I'd say i'd say in every horse sport is tough and it's oh yeah it's away yeah yeah um and just uh so touch on the the accident was that uh that was the question a horse yeah. related accident yeah. yeah 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 um what was that like then coming back to horses after having such a severe accident or was it something that you are always like no I, I want to still be involved in them
1: yeah it wasn't even a question um and the yeah it, it yeah, it was. It wasn't even a question. I was. I was going to to do it in some way or another. And I actually started going to the RDA while I was still in the rehab in in Dunleary. Um. So that was. I mean, literally as soon as as soon as I got the okay to um, that's that's what I was doing. So yeah, it it was never a question about it, I think, and especially because I was so young, we have less fear when we're young anyway, um, and like, when I look back now, you know, the fact that I went and rode a horse in Australia that I didn't know, you know, I was literally just perched on top, just holding on to the horn at the saddle, like, that was, that was it, and then going and driving, um, so Yanto, his name was, the first horse that I drove, he was a 15 to Welsh Cobb Stallion. Um, Now incredibly well behaved and I was totally safe at all times. But, you know, as as you get older, you kind of you get a little bit more cautious about, (laughs) about stuff um so it wasn't until later on that I think that it kind of started to to affect me and it wasn't it wasn't just that it was lots of different things that have taken me years to kind of unravel um and kind of come to you know come to terms with but that would have been one of them you know the fact that you know that I had already been you know permanently and you know badly injured um and you know there's always the potential for for something else to happen so yeah to kind of that did affect me later on um you know i've, I've come to terms with it now um but it is something that you can't really escape forever
0: um would you, would you think it would have been almost like a defiance at the time? Like, instead of getting nervous, you're like, no, no, I can still do this. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I was, I was, I mean, I was a nightmare as a patient because I was, you know, you can imagine I was 18. I just... Like I just finally, you know, you turn 18, you leave school and you're like, this is it. I can do whatever I want now. And then all of a sudden I was back being told when to go to bed, what to eat, when to eat, what to do. And I, I totally rebelled against that. Um, so, so yeah, uh, th- that was probably, probably part of it. Yeah. But sure, look, it kept you back with the horses. It- that's it. it 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 served a purpose and that's the thing about a lot of this a lot of stuff you know people people start to kind of unpick things that they've done earlier in life and they'll be like okay well that wasn't really maybe the best way but if it served a purpose at the time and it got you through it then you know then that's that's why it was that way um
0: yeah like it's a, it's a coping mechanism as well exactly
1: that's it yep Yeah 100%.
0: So tell me now what brought you down to the mindset coach you said you kind of things came up for you and then you wanted to like obviously you went through your own kind of kind of stuff and then you wanted to help other people but how did that start to come up? So
1: I mean there was a few years of my driving so I drove I drove a pony so I drove Yanto then I drove a pony called Popeye for eight years he was little Cobb absolutely worth his weight in gold with how good he was um and how you know how steady and safe um and then then I I drove a pony called Lucy for a season um but she 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 went she had to go back to her owner she had a, a melanoma lump that was just it wasn't affecting her badly but it meant that she was kind of bridal lame when we tried you know flexing yeah. and that um and we actually, we got kind of pulled up in the dresser after the dressage at the world championships. And we were able to continue once they saw she wasn't lame, but that was why. Um, and then I started driving another borrowed pony who I then ended up buying. So this is Lily. Here's my gray pony. And she was very, very forward, um, you know, and it it was a big leap for me. And that kind of, that brought up all these you know all these things all these issues so i started i mean i i would be literally terrified every time i drove um i'd have these kind of you know catastrophic thoughts of you know something's going to go wrong she's going to bolt um and when i say catastrophic i mean you know I, I pictured her getting impaled on a tree and dying, oh, wow. me being seriously injured, or at least never driving again, um, spectators getting run over, you know, I mean, pure catastrophe. Um, so, and it was really, and I, I, I'd spend pretty much every event in tears from the, the, the fear and the nerves and the stress, Then when that happens, you add in all the stuff of I'm letting people down. People don't wanna be around me if I'm, you know, afraid and crying all the time. And, you know, so then all that kind of stuff comes in and that just makes everything, all the, the original stuff even worse. Like you can't fix, you can't fix fear through guilt or, you know, or shame or anything like that. It's just not possible. So, the big the first big breakthrough for me came when I I went to a day, uh, Charlie Unwin did a day here um in down at one of the hotel that's in near the Kara. And I signed up for that and I went to that and I took away the stuff that I took away, the exercise and that, I threw myself into them like like nobody's business. Like I've still got my diary that where, you know and and everything everything possible that I could take away from that and and these were techniques that I'd you know I'd heard of before you know and some of them were that you know some of them is just about breathing and you know things like that but actually applying them consistently and you know and and trusting that they that they'd work the difference was phenomenal and the point at which I really realized it was I I'd often where where I used to keep keep Lily um the arena was at the top of a hill so you know you go up and there's the hill the the kind of track alongside a couple of paddocks and for some reason you know one of my fears was always that she'd we'd get to the top she'd see something she'd turn and she'd bolt back down the hill and that was one of my recurring things. But, and this actually happened one day. So we're driving up and it was my fault. I wasn't holding my moment. My, my whip was in the whip holder, right? Cause you use your whip instead of your leg because you've, all you've got is your reins and your voice. So you use the whip to, you know, to guide or to block or whatever it is. Um, but of course, you know, my whip was in the whip holder. I wasn't holding it, um, you know, and we're going up and there was a couple of people up there with dogs. The dogs didn't do anything. It's just, she wasn't expecting it. Mm -hmm. And she turned around and pissed off to the bottom of the hill and it's fine. I pulled her up at the bottom and I picked up my whip. And because I was so focused on what I was wanting to, to do in that session, I, I I wasn't even thinking about what had just happened. So I, you know, I shortened up my reins, I picked up my whip, and I drove her back up the hill. And we had one of our up to that point one of our you know most productive training sessions. <laughs> um, and at that point, I was like, okay, this is this has really worked. So then I started. I I did I did a lot more you know, a lot more reading, a lot more kind of development myself, a lot more, you know, um, kind of figuring out different techniques and things like that, that worked for me. And there were times when, you know, people, you know, people would kind of talk to me about issues they were having. Um, But I, and I wanted to be able to, you know, to pass on you know, what I'd learned, what I developed in relation to myself and all of that. But I didn't feel like I had the the authority to. yeah um, so then, um Sandy Robertson, she's another kind of performance coach. Um she does a lot with equestrians as well. Um, she then launched uh, you know, a course specifically in training to become a mindset coach for equestrians. So I was like, okay, amazing. You know, this'll, this'll a add to my, my knowledge and my toolkits and all of that. Um, but it'll also give me the, you know, the, the backup to be able to, you know, to say to people, I I can help you, you with this. So that's a very long story, but that's that's uh how I ended up ended up doing it um so I did she had two she had basic and an advanced course so I did both of those over the past past few years um and and then started offering the coaching myself
0: yeah and just just interesting um did you feel like like is this that you wanted to go into coaching or it was a case of you didn't even feel comfortable like giving the advice because you didn't have anything backing up um I mean, I certainly gave, if people
1: wanted advice and if people wanted to know what I had done myself, I told them, but I suppose, I suppose it was both. Um, You know, I, because I know like the difference now in me, I get so much more out of not just my driving, but out of like, I, I lacked confidence in just owning my ponies.
0: Mm. And making
1: decisions for them. And, you know, and part of that would come from the fact that I'd had my accident at 18. And then, you know, so up till then, I wasn't really making decisions. You know, I'd never owned my own pony. And then so I kind of lost, I never had that point, that transition that people go through when they get their first, you know, when they get their first ponies and stuff like that. So I'd kind of missed all that. So I was, you know, even my confidence in that was really low. Um, so, yeah, I just didn't feel like I had the, the yeah, the, the the authority, the ability, the the confidence to be able to advise people on themselves. Um,
0: hmm. Yeah. It's interesting you saying that, that you didn't go through the owning your first pony, but you did. It was just in a different way. Way. and it was just, it was later yes yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah yeah and i think it was because it was later it was and i you know i kept them i kept them with with my trainer you know so the natural thing was for for her to make the decisions so it wasn't until um i moved them for for covid and distance you know i moved them closer during covid and then we made the decision that i that i'd keep them closer because it was working out so well um, it wasn't till that point that I was really making those decisions myself, which was very far into my actual horse owning life, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, it was just a, a different, a different kind of route than than what most people
0: take. That's um, um, really, really interesting how uh, how that kind of comes up with different people. Is there? Certain kind of things you see crop up with clients a lot are the questions, similar themes, yeah. so there's there's a
1: few. Um so obviously, I mean, one of them is 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 fears and nerves. and they can you know they can stem from different places, you know, for different people. But the outcome is is often the same: is that you know people will if when they think about going to ride um, or going to drive or whatever it is they do with their horse, they start getting that feeling of dread and the butterflies and the, you know, and this is the thing: it never it doesn't stop us from doing it because, you know, those of us that do it. We can't stop. It's not a choice, you know. If it was a choice, we'd be a lot richer and have a lot more free time. But it's not a choice, so they keep doing it, even though, even though it's it just it's not feeling good, um, you know. So there's that. The other one, the other, I suppose there's two other two other that that crop up a lot. So uh, one is fear of failure, and this is this is often with regards to competitive equestrians um you know that that fear of making a mistake of being judged you know harshly or unfairly of letting you know letting your team down of letting you know people think they're letting their horse down all of that that's a big one the the third one then is uh, a fear of ruining or you know hurting your horse in some way or know causing them to not live up to their potential things like that so so yeah those those are the three um that that
0: tend to come up most often i think that's very very common like especially around equestrians and i suppose i know like it could happen in any way normal life as well but just not necessarily involving a horse (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, one thing I thought was interesting as well as you were saying like competitive horse riders but one thing like I've gotten very nervous before riding just in the arena with someone else who has like a maybe a better looking horse or you know that kind of thing and they're fine but here's me going oh they'll know I'm like I'm shite rider like look at me now like because my, my recently retired horse he uh, did not believe in going off the leg so okay. it was a battle and I was like I look like an absolute what going around here but like they're probably not even paying attention they're too busy trying to get their horse to do something that's it they're
1: you know that they're not paying attention and even if they are you know that they're not going to be judging you harshly you know or they shouldn't be you know if if they are then that says more about them than it does about you because we all have you know we all have our struggles with our horses in in one way or another um and you know it's just because they're not going through a struggle at the moment or a struggle that you can see um so so yeah it's
0: yeah i think the the it's great to see like mindset especially in the question industry cuz as well as you've probably seen like the grassroots that we're doing the Rider Academy yeah. and a big portion of that is mindset. And the same thing, yeah. you've got these girls coming in and they're doing stuff that I can't even think of doing. And they're doubting themselves and like they're amateur writers, but they're saying the whole like it seems to be across the board. A lot of people involved in writing come up with these issues.
1: It is. It is. And what I think is really kind of refreshing is that people are talking about it now. I don't know if you noticed, I shared it. It's a good. Few weeks ago now was at um I think was at the, was that I think was at the European Championships the dressage one. Abby Lyle um she horse and hound had a a kind of short you know reel of her that they posted of her talking about the feelings of pressure, and and that, um and I, my sponsored client at the moment is a multiple FEI. Um, medal winner in, in, in para carriage driving. And, and, you know, we're working through, um, she, she's open about, uh, you know, about sharing this. Um, uh, but, you know, I'm working with her at the moment and, you know, working through uh, different, different issues that, 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 she has. So it's, it, it it's, it's everybody. And I say this, there's very few people Very few people, very few athletes, very few equestrian athletes um, who can, you know, totally shut off, you know, other bits of their brain when they're going to compete. Um, You know, I think there are some, but there are a handful, you know, that's all the rest of us. You know, we're all we're all dealing with these pressures and nerves and fears and the impacts of other areas of our lives and how they're impacting on us. Um, and that's from, you know, people right, right at the top of, of whichever sport they're doing, you know. Um,
0: I think yeah. it's, it's easy to assume that when you're at that level, you don't worry anymore, but it's almost, it's as bad, if not worse, because everyone's watching, you know, and they literally are watching you and you can see it, I suppose, like, you know, any like because the social media as well doesn't help any little thing that happens in any equestrian sport and suddenly the the, you know here comes the animal welfare brigade or you know and it's and they're getting attacked and these are people who they they do care for their horses and if something happens no none of them want anything to happen but yeah yeah yeah
1: the 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 pressure you know the, the pressure of when and I, I mean, I know it myself from, from competing at, at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the pressure is there and it's, you know, it, it's, it can be a lot. Um, and with, with competing at that level is you always have a team around you as well. So you're, there's that feeling that, that, that you're, that you're also responsible for, you know, for how good they feel because your your success or failure isn't just going to be felt by you um it's going to be felt by the people who are there your grooms your you know your your chef to keep your trainer all of that um you know so yeah it it adds it adds it adds a, it adds a bit of
0: <laughs> a bit of something yeah. different the teams victory like the only one that doesn't notice if things don't go well is the horse
1: that's it they, and they don't and that's that's the thing and that's what I'll often say to people um and like I, I said in relation to myself I was I was having a uh a, a one-to-one session with um with, with a with somebody and she you know she was asking in advance you know if there's anything that I that I you know specifically want to 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 work on. And you know, my answer was kind of no. And then I ended up going to a big long rambling thing. And I said that, you know, my my ultimate goal is to win an FEI medal. And I was talking about this in relation to Mossy. And I said, you know, in a way, the fact that he has the potential, you know, to to do that adds pressure to me because I don't want to let him down. But in reality, he doesn't care you know he he doesn't he doesn't you know care whether we w- we ever win a medal but i want to do that you know but I, and i want to do that with him because i think that he deserves that accolade um so but yeah in reality he he doesn't care <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> you know he just wants a dinner later
1: that's it yeah exactly um so so yeah so yeah they are, they are the only ones um and that's it that's what i and I said this, um, I was talking to when I was having a session with, with Deb, who, who's, who's my sponsored athlete. And we were talking, we were going through about she, you know, she was talking about a fear of hers of making an error going wrong in a dressage test. And I said, so we went through exactly what she would do if that happened. And I said, the very first thing that you want to have in your head is you do not want to let the horse know that you've gone wrong you want to keep driving as if this is just another movement in the test because they you know they don't know you mm-hmm. know i mean yes they you know they start to learn the dressage test but if you go wrong in it and you don't let you know you don't start to kind of panic or or whatever you either you know have to make your way to the judge to if you've really forgotten or, you know, you you're, you know where you went wrong and you're making your way back there. It's like treat it like another movement. Just keep, you know, keep driving the exact same way. The horse doesn't need to know. And yeah. if the horse doesn't know, you know, it's it shouldn't affect your your marks as you go on. So yeah, the the horses, they only know what we
0: what we transmit to them. Yeah. And yeah. Um so. Yeah. I imagine it's the same with carriage, like you know, riding new tents up, the horse feels your tents, and then they they can feel it through the reins as well. That's it. Yep. Um
1: they can feel it through the reins. They've I've just I I do a I do a column for an online magazine called the Carriage Commentator, which is to do with all things all things carriage driving and kind of you know, general, you know, welfare, health, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And I literally just wrote a column on co-regulation. Um so you know, our, our nervous systems, and it's amazing how quickly they pick up on you know on on changes in our nervous systems um, and yeah, uh,
0: and that's that's from on the carriage, um, yeah that's yeah it's like crazy, like considering because you know you you're a little bit less attached to them, but at the same you, time, they still know they
1: still know they still know
0: it's um.
1: Yeah, uh, they still know, and in a way, the connection needs to be even deeper because you've got less control, because you've you've only got your you've got your reins and you've got your voice and you've got your whip. Um, you know, you don't have your legs and your seat and your you know your body to to communicate with them. So
0: yeah, yeah, that's, that's one thing when you were talking about your um you know the fear of the horse bolting yeah. or something like that happening. It does to me, like it was resonating with me because I was thinking like, obviously if a horse bolt, it's hard enough either way, but like, you know, at least you can clamp on with your legs where like a carriage, it's that little bit less. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. That is, that's
1: the one thing that you just, you never want a, a driving horse to do. Yeah. Um, And, and if, uh, you know, if a horse does it for no reason, they can't be a driving horse. You know, I mean, it's one thing if they say got stung by something or there was, you know, you know, allowed, you know, something, something that there's a reason. But if, you know, if if a horse ever did and you couldn't figure out a reason, um, it essentially means that they're not suitable um, as a
0: as as a driving horse. um, That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So. You've competed at the top level as well, yeah. And we we're talking about the pressure and stuff like that. But how does it feel coming out onto that stage for the first time, like knowing that you are like at you're international, you're representing Ireland now. Um. So the actual
1: when you're actually say driving into the Dressage Arena, um, all of that goes out the window, and and as it should do because you are totally focused on what you're doing at the time um the overall being at the event you know representing representing your country you know that the whole everything that comes with that um I mean that that's amazing like it's it's, it's a privilege it's it's exciting you know it is it does add, it you know there is an added pressure because you do want to to do well because you're not just there for yourself um but uh, it's yeah it it's amazing I, I i don't know how else to even to is even
0: is there a moment it. when when you're like oh my god i'm here like could you just like a pinpoint like was it like, there's multiple yeah mul-
1: multiple times when that yeah multiple times that that happens
0: um and you can just yeah. see it as well. Like I know you're not kind of not getting the words out, but you can just see it in your face, like how proud it makes you and just like how it lights you up doing it. Like it's so great to see. It 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 genuinely yeah, yeah, it really does.
1: Because I mean it is, yeah, it's it it's it's the it's the kind of pinnacle of what, you know, what of of the sport that that we're doing. And yeah, um,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't actually have the words. <laughs> no, it's great. And I, I think as well coming out and doing that, like you're showing that, you know, you had that accident at eighteen. It didn't stop you. Yeah. You're now able to like represent your country on the like the top stage. Like and it's just it's it's so cool. And I think for anyone who maybe has gone through some form of injury or even like, you know, a severe injury like yourself, like it's a it's a really it's and show that like you're not done yet. You can still achieve like amazing heights. You, you, life, know. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Yep.
1: And like everyone I've met in in the power of driving world as well, you know that they, they've they've highlighted that to me as what you yeah. if you know what I mean. Um.
0: Yeah. It's uh. Yeah. Do you find that helps when you any time you like maybe doubt yourself or you worry or you. Um,
1: like, I don't want to single anyone out, but there is, you know, there, there is certainly people that I, that I think of and they just give me, you know, encouragement that, you know, that, that something isn't the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Yeah, because they've they've gone there and they've done it. And yeah, it's 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 having examples there in front of you that you can that you can see and you can say, okay, yeah, it is it is possible.
0: Yeah. Uh, how does it feel to know that you're that example for some person or maybe multiple <laughs> people?
1: Um uh I mean that feels amazing. Uh I I <laughs> it's not something you thought about before is it no no it's not (laughs)
0: um
1: yeah i mean i i if that if that were the case i'd be absolutely you know absolutely delighted um you know it's you know i'm not somebody who genuinely you know who thinks that oh you know things happen for a reason it's you know but if you can make something good come out of something then you know, that then that's almost, you know, almost the same as something happening for a reason.
0: Um, I get you. I understand yeah. that. Yeah. Um, well, I think that is going to be everything I'm going to ask. Okay. Bar one little question. Go on. I asked this to nearly everyone at the end of uh, my episodes and is what is the best advice that you've ever been given? Oh. This is always a response again. I love it. <laughs> Oh wow! You can pick more than one.
1: Can I pick more than one? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. Well, so that there's, and it's not so much advice. I think it's a saying, and I, I honestly can't even remember who said it. Um, but it's something that I, that I, you know, that I try, not always successfully, um, because none of us are perfect, but I try to, to live by, is that you know is, is the saying that people won't remember necessarily remember what you did or what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. Um, so that's, that's something that I try to, you know, to live my life by, um, one, one advice that I, that I do really like, um, and that is because a lot of people suffer from, and I'm one of them from imposter syndrome. I'm here too. And I saw somebody describe a really out-of-the-box way of dealing with it, and that's by basically saying, well, if I'm an imposter, then I'm going to be the best friggin' imposter there is, and <laughs> <laughs> just going for it, um, you know, just throwing yourself into to, to stuff. Um, Yeah, um, I'm sure that there's something that's trying to poke its way out of my brain at the moment that um, in terms of advice, but it's just not coming. It's just not coming. But they're the two things that are popping into my head,
0: (laughs) into my imposter one is bringing that like defiance back up. Yeah, that's it. That's (laughs) it. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. That is brilliant. So I just want to say thank you for joining us today, Emma. Can you tell everybody where to find you if they're interested? Uh, Yes. Yeah, of course. So um,
1: Instagram is, is the, is the best place to find me. So for my mindset, um, my mindset account is uh, Emma Golding mindset. And then my carriage driving account is Emma para carriage driving with an underscore in between each word and that. Um, Mm -hmm. So
0: uh so yeah but you'll you'll find me through one or the other um i'll add them to the show notes literally. as well so everyone oh thank be. you cool and uh, as ever guys you can find me on instagram so i'm lesser seen on christy h fitness but you will find me on at strong the saddle with an underscore after the the e and then my tiktok is at strong the saddle without the underscore because i got there before first <laughs> and then my website is www.chrissyhawkins.com and then yeah just want to say thanks again for joining us today
1: thank you no i enjoyed that
0: i really do appreciate everybody who listens to this podcast so if you please could help me with the algorithm and leave a review on apple podcast or spotify and even you know if you want to reach out and suggest topics for me i'd be delighted to hear from you drop me a dm on instagram or tiktok and thanks again for listening